time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on our program sponsored by BorderHawk.News on this beautiful Saturday, uh, March uh, 13th, 2021. My gosh, the, the, this this year is flying by already. You know, the good thing about it is that uh, it's 70 degrees. It's 75 degrees, actually, today out here. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago. It's 14 degrees outside. Oh, I love it. I love this weather. I'm sorry. That's why I live in South Texas. Anyway, we've got a packed show, so let me tell you who, we, who we've got so we can move right into our program. Uh, we've got a packed show. We've got, first of all, Congressman Chip Roy uh, from the 21st District here in, uh, here in Texas. He's going to be chatting with us about this issue of what is going on with the border, what can be done with the border, and um, the, uh, the whole uh, relief package, the COVID relief package, which is a farce, an absolute farce, my friends. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the other guests are Sal, are, uh, Sal Martinez, who is a former uh, DEA agent, uh, retired now, and he uh, is going to be chatting about what it, uh, the cartels and the criminal element that's happening here in our backyard, here in the United States. We've got um, uh, Jason Jones, our good buddy Jason Jones, who is the criminal expert uh, on the border, as well as what is happening on the other side of the border. I mean, he's going to tell us exactly what is. I mean, what these criminal character uh, cartels are, at, uh, are 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 doing right now, and uh, the media is not covering it. And speaking of the media, our last guest is Jorge Bonilla, who is with the. Um, who is with the uh, uh, Media Research Center, uh, the Latino uh, part of it. And he is going to be talking about how the uh, Spanish-speaking media is ignoring uh, how they're spinning this crisis at the border. Uh, it, it's incredible. Man. It's outrageous is what it is. It's outrageous. So without further ado, let's go to our first guest, Congressman Chip Roy. And uh, stay tuned, my friends. Thank you for being supportive. Please, please, please tell people about our show. And please tell them, uh, please share the program with them if you can. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got uh, our good friend, Congressman Chip Roy from the 21st District here in Texas. He uh, is uh, at an airport, and um, we wanted to catch him before he got on his flight. We want to talk to him. Uh, Congressman, thank you for taking time to be with us. Let me ask you about two things. First of all, this COVID relief package that just passed, the $1.9 trillion. I can't even imagine the figure. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, George, thanks for having me on. Yeah, and forgive the uh, noise or in transit, getting back to Texas. God bless America. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted to be heading to Texas. So uh, here's the deal. $1.9 trillion, and, and that's an astounding number. Of course, nobody can really fathom it, and it's on top of $4 trillion already spent uh, last year, although a trillion of that had actually not been spent yet. That's the thing. That's a dirty little secret. Democrats are using this as a weapon to move their social welfare agenda to expand massively the Obamacare subsidies to expand massively, Medicaid subsidies to expand massively, uh, the earned income tax credit, the child tax credit, to try to continue to make people dependent and move this country towards a uh, universal uh, living wage. They're using it to advance all sorts of radical liberal agenda, including $500 billion going to state and local governments, which were the very entities that were uh, responsible for shutting down small businesses across America and driving people out of business. And importantly, another $100 billion or over that going to teachers unions and schools which are not open, preventing our children from, from getting uh, educated. And when they are educated, these people are uh, teaching our kids that America is evil. So that's what your Democrats are doing. And, uh, and in addition to that, with $2 trillion being on top of the $4 trillion, that's $6 trillion. They're now talking about a $2 trillion infrastructure package. They're now talking about a $2 trillion or something like that, we don't even know yet, uh, Green New Deal package. I mean, think about the numbers they're spending, George. I mean, there are upwards of $10 trillion of additional deficit spending over the last year, year and a half, two years, depending on how much they get their way. So we hope a few Democrats will uh, get their sanity in the Senate and slow some of this down. But meanwhile, we're just going to do everything we can to stick our fingers in the dike and, and uh, have uh, the American people send us back to be in the majority in, in uh, a year and a half, two years. 
Amazing. I mean, it's just outrageous. <clears throat> the other thing, and this is what really, really gets me. I mean, while while the president, I mean, uh, you know, he, he went on 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 TV and he's taken credit for uh, all sorts of things uh, that uh, Trump had already done, like you know, getting the vaccine out, <clears throat> and he chastised Texas for the COVID um, uh, for the mask. However, he. Um, is turning a, a blind eye to all of the illegal immigration that's going on at the border, particularly with people that are COVID infected. Uh, what I mean, what can we do? What is being done? How I mean, is there any hope for us to stop this insanity at the border? Well, we're doing everything we can at it. In fact, uh, I'll talk, tell you a little bit about this COVID angle. Uh, but first, the border generally for your listeners, right? I mean, I know you talk about it regularly, and they're informed and smart listeners. But let me just tell you, however bad you think it is, it's worse. You know, you've been recently down to the border, I think even just as early as today. I'm going to Laredo on Monday. I'm talking to Border Patrol uh, members every single day. Uh, I'm getting updates from people who are experts, uh, mainly from people who are in the Trump administration because they're actually uh, interested in telling the truth about what's happening at the border, unlike the current DHS secretary who is lying, straight up lying to the American people that the border is secure and that there is no crisis. In fact, there is a crisis. Uh, we had 100,000 apprehensions in February. That's not counting the gotaways. We've got uh, cartels that are getting empowered, using human beings for profit, filling our facilities and greasing springs with unaccompanied children. The number of children coming across the border is an astounding number. They're in danger. They're now releasing these children uh, uh, to, to uh, families that are people that are claiming to be families without doing background checks, which endangers those children. Uh, they're now releasing people and catching releasing people who have COVID. We know that. There's plenty of reports showing hundreds uh, that we know of, probably thousands that have been released with COVID. We know that they caught and released 11,000 people in January and February uh, that were caught by Border Patrol and released. Why? Because the facilities were too full to put them there. And they're going to continue to do that. They're turning DHS into a catch and release organization, a welcoming center uh, for a country that they're now turning into a sanctuary country. That's what's happening. It is now easier for the cartels to send gang members and dangerous individuals across our border than it is for the American people to gain access to Congress and the People's House. Because we have a fence with razor wire around the Capitol, but we have no fence and no actual security at our border. And on the health care issue that you raised on COVID, uh, they are purposely starting to reject the use of what's called Title 42 to hold the line on people who have uh, the virus. And they've already set it aside for children. They want to do it for families and adults, but we're pushing back on that. My friend Yvette Harrell from New Mexico has a bill that I co-sponsored that would require Title 42 to demand that we hold people at the border to protect against COVID. And I filed a rule this last week to discharge that bill to the floor and force a vote. So we're going to be gathering signatures on the floor of the House to force Democrats to choose between uh, placating the radical left and playing politics with people's lives or doing their job to secure the border of the United States. So we're going we're gonna to fight with everything we got. It's amazing. I mean, you know, uh, we're, we talk to uh, property owners along the border, as well as property owners away from the border, and they are being impacted by, uh, by, by uh, their, their properties being damaged or vandalized by, the, uh, uh, by all of these thousands of people that are coming across. Uh, you know, we are just, uh, you know, we're just at, at a loss. The, um, well, go ahead. You're exactly right. I've been in contact with the mayor of Uvalde, who said they've had, uh, multiple high-speed chases through their city. We've, he talked about the county next to them where they had 22 high-speed chases. Rial County, where I represent, where they've had high-speed chases. They've had people breaking into houses, people's ranches that have been uh, vandalized. They've had, found people crossing their, their ranches. We know that the American citizens are endangered uh, when we have this kind of traffic. But let's talk about the fact that now Border Patrol is being turned into essentially a babysitting organization, moving children into facilities rather than securing our border against cartels while dangerous fentanyl and narcotics come pouring across our border between the ports of entry, uh, continue to facilitate an opioid crisis in America. That is your Democrats in charge. They don't care. They know this is a crisis. They're lying to the American people that it isn't a crisis, and they don't care that it's open borders because it's about naked crap politics for them. Oh, my gosh. Uh Congressman, I, I'm I'm not sure exactly. I mean, you know, they control the the White House, they control the Senate, they control the the, the House. Uh, is there any light at the tunnel at the end of this tunnel? Well, I'll tell you. As I said, we're going to be bringing bills to the floor to try to force their hand on on what we call discharge to make them have to take certain principles. But at the end of the day, 
uh, we, we, Congress, have empowered the president too much to use executive power to uh, make decisions unilaterally that negatively impact the country. And we're going to fight that, but it takes time. So, you know, how much relief will there be over the next year and a half? I don't know. Because the president is obliged to carry out and execute the laws of the United States. I mean, you know, somewhat ironically, for Democrats to impeach President Trump wrongly twice, we, we have now, I think, reason to say that President Biden should be potentially, at least we should have conversations about whether his refusal to make sure that the laws of the United States are being faithfully executed, right? He has a duty under the Constitution to take care that they be faithfully executed. Is that an impeachable lack of, Definitely. of, of action <laughs> by him to, to take care that, they're, that he's executing the laws of the United States? So we ought to have those conversations. We ought to push on the president, frankly. Uh, I don't know if the president is fully cognizant of how bad it is at the border, but I can tell you this, it is either that he doesn't know, or he doesn't in which care. case that's a problem, or he does know and he doesn't care, in which case that's a problem. Yep, yep. Congressman, uh, you know, I know you've got uh, you're, you've got to change planes, but, you know, we're really going to be looking uh, to you and other uh, Republicans in the House and in the Senate to uh, to to protect us. I mean, that's all the way, that's the only thing that I can say. Protect us because uh, we're very, very worried about what is happening at the southern border. Well, so am I, George, and we're doing everything we know how to do to spotlight it and highlight it. That's why I'm going to get up, crack it on Monday, drive down, go down to Laredo, spend all day with Border Patrol, spend the night, go down to the river, and then get up and fly to Washington on Tuesday. It's my job, and I'm going to do it because we got to highlight this and make sure American people know it. I hope the American people can now understand how critically important it is for us to retake the House and the Senate in 2022 make sure we get a Republican elected in 2024, and now advance the America First agenda of the last four years to be pro-America, pro-immigrant, pro-national security, pro-Israel, uh, anti-Iran, anti-China, pro-good judges, pro-low taxes, instead of this administration, which doesn't care about any of those things, and is doing the opposite. And we, we can move the ball forward, and we're going to keep fighting for it. You got it. We've been talking with our good friend, uh, Congressman Chip Roy, from uh, the 21st District of Texas. Congressman, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. God bless, George. Take care. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP, 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we have our good friend, Mr. Jorge Bonilla, with the uh, Media Research Center Latino. Uh, He's in Florida, and he's uh, joining us because um, we've been watching. I mean, we are here in South Texas. We're right in the middle of, of uh, of this border crisis that um, the president, uh, the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, refuses to uh, call a crisis. And uh, we're sitting here uh, watching how the rest of the world on news media, in the news media is, uh, is reporting it. Specifically, I want to ask Jorge to tell us a little bit about um, how the Spanish language media is, uh, is covering it. Uh, and those those infamous cages for all the kids that are coming across. Jorge, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. What's going on? How how is the uh, media, the Spanish language media, reporting this uh, this crisis? First of all, thank you so much for having me, George. It's great to be here once again. Uh, the, the Spanish language media are covering this story in two words, very reluctantly. Uh-huh. Remember that. Um, you know, for the past five years, they they had this ready-made villain in Donald J. Trump. So when it came to any kind of pronouncement that he made, you know, they, starting from the speech that he made when he came down the golden escalator, how they took his speech, um, a portion of, of his speech when he said, you know, these countries all said this their best, some of them are rapists and some of them are criminals, they twisted that to suggest that Trump said that about everybody, and that pretty much informed how Spanish language media covered uh, the Trump candidacy and then the Trump administration as someone who was virulently 
anti-immigrant and who hated people and who was cruel and all these things. So you flash forward to 2021, on the eve of the inaugural, the recurring theme was that this was a new era, that it was the dawn of a new day, and that there was hope for immigrants and there was hope for migrants and, and that Biden would somehow get this immigration reform done with, uh, we, you know, with enough votes and he would get it done through Congress and it was, it was, it was like heaven and earth. It was like the seas parted and, and you know, now all, what, what are the seas or the borders or whatever allegory you want to put in place and now people are going to be able to come into the country and move about the country more freely but most importantly to these channels, you got fresh eyeballs for Univision and Telemundo. So you fast forward to today and these networks are now freaked out and very concerned that the expectations that they help build um, are materializing amongst the people. And you've got, you know, you had one migrant caravan out of Honduras that got stuffed at the beginning of the year. And those guys got stuffed in Guatemala and didn't make it through. Then you, you had this explosion of unaccompanied minors coming through. And it's just, it's just crazy, George. The networks have enabled this. They have a role in this. You have Jorge Ramos uh, of Univision the other day, now propaganda, using this to, to give basically state media propaganda and say uh, unequivocally and as a matter of statement of fact that Joe Biden is concerned about the migrants. He's concerned about the children. Um, you know, they were reluctant to cover the kids in cages aspect and the reopening of the kids in cages. And when uh, the wife of uh, El Chapo was arrested, for a few days at least, that dominated the coverage. They were able to distract from what was happening at the border with basically a narco novella in, in real life. <laughs> so you see, the, the networks are very reluctant, very reluctant to cover this. Um, Telemundo just this morning kind of broke the seal and began to refer to this as a crisis on the border. So we're seeing a shift now. Wow. This is sort of happening in real time. This, this happened even after we, uh, you know, when you, when you book a segment, you think about, okay, what are we going to talk about? and what are they, but, but things have kind of gotten ahead of us. And so now Telemundo has, has framed this, is beginning to frame this as a crisis on the border. So they're, they're kind of shifting... Into, into that crisis coverage where I foresee that this is going to be sooner than later, this is going to be the top most story on these two networks, Univision and, and Telemundo. Well, so openly advocate for migrants. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 you know, it's kind of difficult for them to ignore this, uh, this story at this point uh, or to put a positive spin. I mean, you know, uh, the border is out of control. I mean, there's no two ways around it. Uh, at, at not only uh, do we have tons of kids and uh, and adults coming across, there's also the whole situation of the um, uh, of the of the contraband of the smugglers. Uh, we had that situation in uh, in California uh, of the horrific accident. I mean, uh, how can they how can they ignore or how can they put a positive spin on the human smuggling aspect of it? Well, they, they gloss over it. And I mean, you know, we for years we, we talked about the need for border enforcement and we warned about the things that would happen if you stopped enforcing the border. Sure enough, when the Biden administration came in, what did they do? They unwound the third party agreement, the third uh, safe nation agreements with the countries of the Northern Triangle. That was the first thing they did. They unwound those agreements. They got rid of MPP. They issued directives to the Border Patrol. Uh, and, and sure enough, you know, you, you, the situation began to mushroom, it began to explode. You mentioned that horrific accident with the Ford Expedition in, in California that was carrying 27 passengers when the vehicles rated for eight. And mind you, it, eight if, if it's small kids among those eight. Um, but in addition to that, you have a proliferation of raids at safe houses and people that get, that, that, that get uh, uh, trafficked into houses, and you have safe houses all over Texas, which that's a concern because that's, that's of course, run by cartels and run by, by human trafficking organizations. 
you had the migrants that were in the truck. In the, uh, and I think that was in San Antonio. I could be wrong. Um, but you had the situation where you had like 80 uh, trafficked migrants inside of uh, some kind of uh, like a fuel truck or something. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it, it was in a in a in a, in a huge uh, moving van truck. And um, most of them expe- escaped. <laughs> Incredible. That's crazy. It is. Now, uh, you know, is there any hope for the media? I mean, I understand that the, that the, that, that the Spanish language media depends on Spanish-speaking people uh, as their audience. I mean, that's who their customers are. But because of that, does that justify them spinning, breaking the law, and coming into a country illegally? I mean, I don't understand that. Oh, of course not. But see, that's the problem when you, when you as a media outlet aren't covering things independently. If you depend on a certain segment of the population and you cater to that segment of the population, then you're not independent, and therefore you cannot be relied on for the news coverage that you provide. If you're always going to spin things in, in a light most favorable to the continued preservation of this illegal immigration regime and this broken border regime, then then you're just not credible. And what this is going to do more than anything is it's going to strain the credibility of, of these networks who have to sit there and, and you know, they're going to have, they're going to have to speak up and, and take a stand where maybe they don't want to, where maybe the time isn't ready for them. That's kind of what happened here. The, you know, the things got stripped out. Trump's border protections got stripped out and that vacuum, the migrants immediately rushed into that vacuum and nobody was ready for that onslaught of migrants, although it was predictable. It's, it was predictable, right? Because something, something always steps up and takes the place of a vacuum. And if there's no enforcement, you know that people are going to run up on the border, but yet nobody was ready for this. The Biden administration wasn't ready for this. And the media weren't really ready for this. Um, even last night, these networks led with, with the whole Meghan Markle and Prince Harry interview. Um, <laughs> because, they, you know, there's really little little interest in covering this because, unfortunately, it's going to get covered in a way that doesn't look good for the Biden administration and doesn't look good for what they need in terms of immigration policy in general. Yeah. So they're really, really, really in a tough spot. Is there anything, is there anything that the local residents, the local citizens, uh, is there anything that they can do to force the hand of Univision and Telemundo and Radio Azteca and all of them to uh, to cover, you know, in a more balanced way. Is there anything that can be done? I mean, uh, I, I know that they are powerful and strong and aloof, but uh, I mean, is, is there any way that they can be challenged to be more balanced? Well, uh, unfortunately, the marketplace is what creates that balance and what creates those challenges. And as of yet, we are just not in a place where there is that balance within the Hispanic population. Now, that may well change. It, may, it might even change sooner than we think, but as of right now, that, that balance isn't in place. The thing to do when there, is a, when there is a full marketplace is to support those marketplace alternatives that are going to cover the news in a fair manner, in a balanced manner. We don't have that. Um, so probably the best thing to do believe it or not, is, is rely more on local news. Yeah. Local, your local outlets, if you live, because it's one thing, you know, you have, you have these, you have reporters and you have journalists and news readers in some remote studio in, in Miami or New York or, or Washington, D.C. that don't have an attachment to your community. That's one thing. But when you look at local news, these are people that drive on the roads that you drive on and send their kids mostly to the same schools that you send your kids that live where you live, that eat where you eat. And they, they have that in mind when they are covering the news and, and the goings on in a community. So probably one one way to counteract that is, is to 
just have more of a reliance on local news until other alternatives emerge. Right. Well, my man, I thank you for uh, chatting with us and bringing us up to date with uh, what is happening in the in the Spanish Spanish language media. Uh, tell the folks how they can follow or how they can support uh, uh, the Media Research Center Latino. Absolutely. MRC Latino can be found uh, online at mrclatino.org. That is mrclatino.org. You can also find us on Facebook at MRC Latino on Facebook and uh, on Twitter at MRC Latino. Thank you very much. We've been talking with Mr. Jorge Bonilla with uh, MRC Latino. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, Jorge. Thank you so very much, George. It's always great being here. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got... Uh, a gentleman who's been on our show before, uh, he is uh, someone who's, uh, he, he's nearby us, and he is uh, involved in not only the judiciary system, and the judicial system, rather, but he's also involved, he was also a uh, DEA agent at one point. Uh, we've got Mr. Sal Martinez, and Sal is, uh, I want him, uh, since he's involved uh, in the uh, in the judicial system, uh, a, a bail's bondsman uh, is is his role now. Um, he's got his pulse on what is happening with uh, organized crime on our side of the border. Uh, Sal, welcome to the show. Let me ask you because um, let me ask you because we have been talking a lot, uh, or we've been seeing a lot of news regarding the issue of illegal immigration. And uh, occasionally, some uh, issues regarding the cartels and the shootouts on the other side of the border. However, we're not talking too much about what is happening on our side of the border. Uh, do you have any sense about that? Absolutely, Georgia. Thank you for uh, having me on your program. Uh, again, you know, after working for the Drug Enforcement Administration uh, um, uh, for so many years and in, in law enforcement as a trooper, now I am on the other extreme of the judicial system as a bail bondsman here south of San Antonio. I've been doing it for the last 12 years. Uh, the situation regarding the lack of, uh, I guess, attention given to the movement of the cartels northbound into the, our areas uh, is, again, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, put on hold as a lot of focus has been uh, directed towards the immigration situation. The the, the Drug trafficking, human smuggling, the, uh, everything related to the Mexican cartels is is definitely here in South Texas. Now that I'm a bail bondsman, I'm seeing it firsthand, uh, still dealing with the underworld. I get people out of jail. Uh, I, unfortunately, I have to be a hypocrite on some of these uh, people that I do bond out, but it's a business that if I don't get them out, somebody else will. So uh, that's just a, a side note of, of my hypocrisy, which... <laughs> In the words of a, uh, you know, a, a, a program for uh, saying that you know, some every every man has a limit on his hypocrisy. This one is a situation where I see the cartels operating their 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 uh, set of foundation here in San Antonio and in, in, in the rural areas. Uh, so it is definitely here, George. Uh, it's uh, you know the the situation that we see with these um, with these cartels. Uh, it, it is always, you know, that, uh, I mean, they, they have a lot of business savvy as far as how they organize themselves on the other side. But, you know, I mean, it's got to be, the bottom line has got to be how they can continue to make money on our side of the border. Uh, are, are the cartels, do you think that they are moving into uh, uh, the interior of our of our uh, nation have they moved pretty much into the interior of our nation? In your opinion, absolutely, they're throughout our nation, and uh, the cartels have been operating in Mexico with impunity because of the 
the bribes, the uh, lack of uh, law enforcement efforts, and, uh, and, and, and continuous uh, uh, proof that there are corrupt officials uh, protecting them down there. Now, as a corrupt here, it's a lot harder for them to operate with, uh, you know, with such a, a free, uh, free options because uh, law enforcement is definitely monitoring the activity. And, and the thing in our game was when you arrest somebody, we play the game of tag. So once you arrest somebody, they will generally flip on somebody else because they know they'll be looking at a lot of time, especially under the federal guidelines. So as for them operating here in Central Texas, absolutely. Throughout the nation, yeah, major cities, they've been doing it for a long time. And again, they're only getting stronger, George. Yeah, do you think that uh, the, the, uh, the, the Biden administration... Um, I mean, I, I, we, we, we can see how they have relaxed on immigration issues uh, on the border. How about the rest of the border security? I mean, do you see a relaxation in a, uh, uh, that, that the cartels are taking advantage of it? Well, you know, the, the, the current administration, again, uh, it's only been a few months, but I think, again, regarding the immigration situation, uh, uh, again, I'm not clear on how, what the repercussions are other than you see a lot of uh, footage of uh, mothers holding babies and, and uh, flat, full-fledged families trying to come across. But on the, on the other hand, the, the cartels don't come through that, that method. They already have their people established over here. And a lot of the violence coming through is, is going back and forth by weapons going south, money going south, and the drugs and, and all the uh, human smuggling coming up north. So I think that this thing has been well-established for a while now. We have seen, uh, you know, some of the folks uh, used, uh, you know, some of the illegal aliens used as uh, carriers. Uh, and, uh, you know, or that once they come across, uh, they um, uh, are held uh, kind of like in bondage, if not uh, mortgage their lives to the uh, cartels for having brought them across. Uh, do you think this is going to, you know, eventually show fruit for them and, uh, and, and, and cause us uh, problems with uh, these folks kind of being in, indentured servants to the cartels? Well, uh, again, I don't think the, uh, the, the influx of, of, of the current immigration situation is going to uh, be a major part of, uh, of, of an upswing on the, the movement of, of uh, illicit activities. I really believe that if the people, the connections are already established here in the states, and you have uh, bulk movements coming through the border, um, uh, this stuff is being moved through vehicles. Right. A lot of the drugs, and including human smuggling, they're they're bringing them through vehicles. And where uh, where, where where would their networks be? Where would their established networks be? Would they be with 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 uh, uh, with the prisons, like in uh, the Mexican mafia and uh, La Familia and these other organizations? I think the ones that are, are really being uh, much more uh, active are the ones on the outside. The prisons, again, uh, they're being monitored. Uh, they do have a task force to, to monitor prison activity. But I, I, even though there may be some decision-making and shot callers within the prison system, I don't think they have as much of an impact as the people that are on the outside round. The ones that are, are, are uh, again, established, they could be a neighbor of somebody. They, they're they're uh, either a decision-maker that is knows where there's uh, warehouses, knows the routes, uh, and they could be well-dressed uh, people that, are, uh, again, people that the Americans do not suspect that are actually involved in the drug activity. So it's just not the profile of someone who was flashy jewelry, right. uh, you know, flashy cars. It's, you'd be surprised some of the people that we would arrest. Well, you know, one of the th interesting things, for example, here in my own backyard, here in, in the Stone Oak area of San Antonio, um, we have a lot of families, a lot of uh, folks from Monterrey that have moved into the, our neighborhood, uh, and, uh, you know, some real flashy cars, and I can't help but feel like, you know, there's there might be some connection there with these folks finding a safe haven away from uh, from Monterrey and coming up here and, uh, and, and, and uh, residing. Uh, where they can, uh, well, where they can be a little bit more at ease and uh, and more at peace from being kidnapped or shot at. Yeah, you know, and, and I agree. There's uh, unfortunately a, a somewhat of a stereotype when you see somebody uh, from uh, Mexico and, and living the high life on this side. But again, there's reasons for them to be down here. A lot of them were uh, 
part of the uh, the two tiered uh, economic group over there. There's either people with a lot of money, or there's people that just don't have any money. So uh, the, the rich and the poor. That's, that's, yep, yeah, that's, that's true. That are, George, you're right. Uh, it's hard not to stereotype, but at the same time, the people that we were arresting and investigating for years, it was people with uh, jeans and t-shirts, and and again, not being too flashy. Those are the smart ones. The fat yep. Ones. Yep. Um, let me ask you uh, about your book. Uh, tell us about your book, and I also understand that uh, even National Geographic has an interest in you. Yeah, my book, uh, Narc, Convictions of an Undercover Agent, uh, wrote it about uh, two years ago, and um, it's available on Amazon. I do talk about my personal uh, experiences from uh, both extremes of the criminal justice system, as I was a very successful undercover agent along the border and working in Mexico. Uh, and now that I'm uh, on this side of uh, uh, the judicial system as a bail bondsman, uh, National Geographic uh, got hold of me last year right before the COVID hit, and they wanted to fly me into London so they can uh, do a story on, uh, on my book. So uh, apparently it, uh, it, the COVID held back on some of the footage and, and interviews, and, and the, so we'll probably in the next month or two, uh, I'll be on a program called Locked Abroad, or Locked Up Abroad, so it's about government agents that have experienced the uh, the extremes of our judicial system here in the United States. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that locked abroad program. Very, very interesting. So at that point, I, you know, I, I consider I had uh, 14 minutes of fame, George. I think I got one more minute left. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck on that. Uh, well, thank you very, very much for being with us, uh, and and uh, keep up. Uh, the good work, and we'll be back in touch with you because, uh, oh, let me ask you one more thing, one more thing, one last thing. I mean, you're in a small community outside of San Antonio. Do you see trafficking coming through your, your community? Absolutely. Again, I, I, I deal with uh, bail bonds uh, in Wilson, Atascosa, Carnes, and Live Oak County, just south of San Antonio. So this area is, is again, in line uh, with the, the Mexican routes or the, the roads that lead to Mexico. So these routes, you have people bringing in human smuggling and drugs. And uh, again, everything outside of this area, outside of the San Antonio area, is being infected by the cartels. They are here, George. Wow. Incredible. I mean, you know, when they've reached even the smaller communities, that you've got to worry. You've got to be, you've got to be uh, you know, uh, conscientious of it. My man, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us again, and uh, we'll be following up and, and checking with you uh, again and see what uh, you other information you can tell us about what's going on in the gra- at, at the ground level in the grassroots. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good one. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, and we've been talking with our good friend, Mr. Sal Martinez. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism. Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk. News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, expert in uh, crime at the border, border crime and the cartels. Uh, he, I, 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 you know, he is really, really on top of things. He's got, uh, he was recently, one of his pieces was recently highlighted uh, all over the place uh, because of the how uh, the uh, cartels are, are, are identifying folks with little wristbands. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So I wanted to get him on here and ask him to give us an update of what is happening at the border with crime and with the cartels because... Um, we seem to concentrate on the illegal aliens, but there's much more to that that's going on, buddies. Much more. Uh, so, Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Give us an update. What the heck is going on? 
George, as always, it's great to be with you, buddy. I, I really appreciate everything you're doing and always allowing us to tell the folks a story about what's happening down there. Right now, the numbers are increasing dramatically. And so to just kind of give you an, the folks an example as to where we are, for the month of January, uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection apprehended 78,323 people. Uh, now, in 2019, in January, when we were in a national crisis uh, for people surging and apprehended almost a million people at the southwest border, for the month of January, we had only apprehended 58,000 people. So we're 20,000 above in January, and the new numbers just came out, so literally your folks are hearing the numbers right now for the month of February. And we have increased... Now remember, the, the numbers in January were 78,323 apprehended for the month of February, 101,535 people apprehended. Oh my gosh. And, you know, the numbers are just, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, outrageous. So uh, what do we, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, busy, we're, we're, I know we're counting all these, all these folks that are coming across the border, but you know, what about what's going on behind the scenes with the cartels? I mean, because obviously, you know, they got to be busy, too. Well, they are, and they are extremely happy because they're making a lot of money. Right now, as an example, Cartel Del Noreste, which for those listening may remember them as the Las Vegas cartel, that, that their real constitution is in Nuevo Laredo. Right now, they're charging $2,500 for a Mexican citizen to cross the river. They're charging uh, Ecuadorians, Central Americans, Venezuelans, etc., uh, approximately 3000 a head to cross the border. If you are Chinese, you're paying 5000 And if you're Russian or if you're Middle Eastern, you're paying 9000 So they are really recouping their losses from the war. They have been battling with Cartel de Gafo. And they're, because of the amount of influx of people, it's allowing them to fill their coffers with money. Because remember, people are a commodity to the cartels. And so this goes to exactly as to what we're seeing with the wristbands. And what the folks really need to, to understand about that is that the wristbands that are being seen in Roma, Texas, uh, by law enforcement, it's all a process. And what it does on each wristband, they've got a, uh, different pictures, different colors, but they all mean something. So as the migrant is in a uh, stash house on the Mexico side, they put these wristbands on them, and that it's one of the little emblems on them signifies which criminal group, which smuggling group that's working for a cartel is moving them into the U.S., the second thing is they usually have a word like the word metal or something on them. That word signifies that, that that migrant has paid the tax or what is known as the PISO to the cartel. But the third thing is the most disturbing. And, George, what that is is a number. And that means that the cartel for that specific migrant has what we call their PII data or personal identifying information. So they know the cell phone number of that migrant. They know the address of where the migrant's going in the United States, including all of his identifiers from anything he, may, he or she may have in their wallet. But there's a flip side to this. They also have all of their family's information from the country of origin where they come from. So that way, when they can't pay the money that they owe, so usually, you know, if you're Central American, you know, $3,000 is a lot for anyone, right? But for someone who's trying to migrate here, they usually can't pay that up front. So what they do is they pay $1,000, let's say, but they still owe 2000 Now their family or them are held accountable through what is known as debt bondage. And just so you know, that's human trafficking. Wow. I, you know, this, this situation of these folks being in debt to the cartels uh, is very similar to uh, you know, when when uh, early early colonists came across and were indebted to uh, to the uh, companies that brought them across. However, you know, uh, while that was uh, legitimate, you know, uh, trade at that point, these are these are criminal organizations, and heaven knows how they're going to hold them accountable. Well, and, and that's the thing, you know. And if they don't hold them accountable, well, then they go to their families and they threaten them. And, you know, so for, think about this in American history. I mean, this is where you really just get frustrated because now you have people who are in the United States working but yet are indebted 
to a criminal organization in a foreign country. You know, this to me is extremely frustrating. And I want to tell the folks that are listening that, you know, they just keep hearing how bad things are at the border. All of this is fixable. I want them to truly know that. And the, the, the things that are going to be required is true leadership. And people being strong and tough in our leadership to go after these cartels and hold them accountable. Because everything we're talking about doesn't just affect migrants, it affects every one of your listeners. I mean, you know, in the last year from May of 2020 to May of 2019, our country has lost 81,000 people, George, to overdose deaths. And all of that's attributed to the cartels. So everyone on the phone listening right now or at home or wherever they are, they need to know this directly affects them. What happens at that border affects every American. Wow. The, uh, you know, again, we've got, we've got a defund the police movement in the United States. Very, very strong going on in, all, in, in, in virtually every city, every community. And then on top of that, we've got this situation where the border security is lax. What do we need to do? Tell us again, what do we need to do, buddy? I really don't understand what the hesitancy has been uh, for not declaring these organizations who have been very, very active and very, very visible the past at least three years, for crying out loud. I mean, you know, you've got the, the, uh, the siege in, uh, in Culhuacan where uh, they tried to arrest Chapo's son. I mean, you know, it's very evident that these folks are very powerful and... and um, and exerting a lot of influence, I don't understand what the what the uh, hesitancy is in the United States to declare them uh, a, a terrorist organization. I, I will tell you, it's driven me absolutely crazy because for the last four years after retiring, I have tirelessly gone across this country and spoke from the East Coast to the West Coast, trying to get our leaders to act and to pass legislation for success. And I can tell you, and I'll just be very frank, as someone that has briefed congressmen countlessly and briefed leaders uh, within the Homeland Security Enterprise, one of the things they say, George, is, Jason, as long as that crime is staying over there and doesn't affect us, why should we be concerned? And that's why I go back to the Broken Uniform Crime Report. You will often hear people say that, that transnational crime is not crossing into the United States. Yet, as you saw last night, I showed it countlessly. And so a lot of people up north truly don't see it because of the reporting system we have is so outdated. And I will tell you quite frankly, the FBI and the Department of Justice should be absolutely held accountable for the level of failure on our reporting system. Because as somebody that used to run operations for our southwest border with Texas, I can tell you that uh, this is a national failure. Wow. 
Where, where, I mean, where do you think we're going? We've only got about, about a minute to go. Where do you think we're going to end up, or what? Uh, how bad do you think it's going to get? We will have. We will see things in 2021 we have, we have never seen before. Uh, just to give the folks an example, in 2019 we apprehended almost a million people. We will be well over a million people in 2021. And the, the canary call to the world to come here by the Biden administration has been heard. And I can tell you we are seeing things in South America we've never seen before. To give you a quick example, we've got Haitians and Cubans who have been living in Brazil, who have made a life for themselves. They've been there for years. They, too, are saying we are hearing what's being said and we are coming. So it's not just about, you know, people who aren't, aren't happy where they are. If you want to come to America, the message has been sent. Now's the time to come. And so you get ready. By a, the real numbers to watch for are going to be in April, May, and June. You're going to be well over 100,000 month after month. Wow. Ah, this is so disturbing. Jason, thank you very, very much. We've got to get you back on in another couple of weeks and give us another update of what's happening. But uh, thank you for all the work you do, folks. Uh, I really encourage you. He's got uh, Jason Jones has a fantastic uh, presentation. I would encourage everyone uh, to uh, listen to it, to go online, or to invite him to your groups. Tell them how, where they can follow you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us at tripwiresandtriggers.com, or you know, we post on TikTok every day under Tripwires and Triggers, and I give daily sit reps as to what is changing and evolving, and everybody can follow us there every single day. But yeah, uh, or just go back to our website, tripwiresandtriggers.com, and you can reach me there. Excellent. We've been talking to uh, my good friend, Jason Jones. Uh, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, George Rodriguez. Thank you. Mm-hmm.